Thank you for downloading from the Great Commission Society. Support for this podcast comes from your generous gifts and donations. You can find out more about our global ministry and team at www.greatcommissionsociety.com. A beautiful analogy of our relationship with the Lord can be found in our solar system. The moon does not actually shine by itself, it only reflects the lights given off by the sun. The sun is the source of the light. When the world gets in the way of that light, the moon reflects less than it is fully capable of, as is seen in an eclipse. Likewise, God is the source of light and truth, and when we put the world in front of him, we reflect less of his light than we were designed to. We're intended to fully reflect the radiance of his glory in our lives. It's not always easy though, is it? By natural instinct, we try to manipulate and work things out in our own way. I recognise that personally. I'm very burdened to spread the gospel, to see souls saved. It might seem like a worthy mandate, the motivation of a good Christian, but not when I try to do this alone in my own strength. How can that bring glory to Christ? No, to truly reflect Christ, I need to slow down to simply be, to let him shine through me as I seek him in all that I do and all that I am. The result is that I am more compassionate to others. I give time. I seek to travel with their concerns, recognising that if my life reflects Christ, my words will be more effective. The John Hancock Tower is the tallest building in New England. It stands sleekly on its own in Copley Square, away from the high-rise area of Boston's downtown. This modern building stands 60 storeys high with a glass curtain wall, which is a stark contrast to the 19th century Romanesque Trinity Church of multicoloured granite and the Italian Renaissance-styled Boston Public Library across the street. However, despite its enormity in its local area, its presence is made less overpowering by its pure, crystal-like geometry and reflecting glass skin. The architect's intent was to honour these landmarks by reflecting them first and then building his architectural statement around them. In a final analysis, the dominant view when you're close to the building is of the nearby historical buildings reflected with subtle distortions of colour and shape in the Hancock Tower's glass. In a similar way, unless we can present the gospel message to people in a way that enables them to see themselves in our communication, they will always struggle to assimilate what we're trying to say. To motivate people, we need to help them see themselves in what we're talking about. Our communication must be at their level, reflecting their concerns. Unless they see themselves reflected in our message, our words end up being nothing more than what our own ears want to hear. Whether in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria or the ends of the earth, this is perhaps the most vital point to remember as we interact in sharing the hope of the gospel. The Apostle Peter told believers to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But in these changing and very strange times, that directive can be very difficult. How do we respond to a generation that is lost and appears to enjoy its quandary? Hello and welcome to our GCS podcast with author and evangelist Tony Anthony. How many times have you heard the gospel in a sermon, book or conversation? If you've been a Christian, even for a short time, you have likely heard the gospel hundreds of times. Yet, many of us still struggle to articulate the truths of the gospel in a simple, coherent and intelligible way. 
How does the topic of evangelism make you feel? Does the thought of evangelism make you want to run away and hide? Why don't we share the gospel more than we do? And what makes evangelism so universally difficult? Let's join Tony as he sheds some light on how we can gently and lovingly share the gospel with those around us. To witness the ends of the earth represents evangelism to those we do not know, people who do not know us, who might not particularly care about us and could care even less about what we believe we have to say to them. Why is showing the gospel of a stranger such a heavy and daunting task? Why would we rather run a marathon than contemplate such an endeavour? Let's look again at our definition of evangelism. The Lausanne Conference on Evangelism stated their categorical agreement that to evangelise is to spread the good news, and this is generally accepted as a fair definition amongst the vast majority of biblical scholars. Do we have any excuse not to have a go at this? As long as we have breath in our body, I believe we can do something to get the gospel message in front of others. I came across a lady in Auckland, New Zealand, who is quadriplegic. Almost every day she gets her friends to position her wheelchair out on the city streets. She's got very little movements, but is able to hold a tract between two fingers and shout out in a very distorted way, tract, tract. At first it's quite a distressing sight, but this woman is a real warrior of God. Despite her severe disability, she's able to grab the attention of passerby and some of compassionate disposition have the guts to take what she is offering from her twisted hand. What an amazing witness. What an inspiration to those of us who are so much more physically able. My old friend and fellow evangelist John and I were heading off on a mission in the UK and we stopped at a motorway service station. John came out of the shop having bought a couple of drinks with a big smile on his face. Tony, have you got any tracks on you? He asked. I rummaged around in my trouser pockets, but I'd left my jacket in the van. I really feel I should give a track to the lady at the till, John said. I believe God made a real connection there, he said, continuing to turn out his pockets and hope. Of course, we had thousands of them in our van. So when we got to the car park, John decided to go back to see the lady. As I waited, I casually prayed, but the more I thought about the shop, the more my mind wandered. I was now thinking about chocolate. I'm afraid my chocolate-loving reputation goes before me. And so I went back to the shop and I passed John in the doorway as I headed back inside. He said to me, she was really pleased. And uh, John was grinning away. You know, he said, I just went up to her and said, God has asked me to give this to you. And he handed over the tract and, you know, I smiled at him, recognising the pleasure that he felt through this small act of seed sowing, giving the gospel to somebody. Well, as I went back into the shop, I had the privilege of seeing the rest of the story, because what John would never have seen. When I went up to the counter, the lady had the tract in her hand. She didn't take much notice of me, as she was so busy telling her colleague about this gentleman that had given her this leaflet, and because God had told him to. Well, I didn't care that she was a bit distracted. I, take your time, I was thinking. <laughs> Just read that gospel tract. You know, I, I didn't mind. I was thinking, let's forget about the chocolate altogether. You know, and who knows whether she actually became a Christian or not. But we do know that the seed of the gospel was sown into her life just because John had that, 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 what, that he felt his, uh, the obedience to God to actually follow through and give that tract to her. You know, there are many social instances that allow us to evangelise using tracts. We really don't need to work hard or sweat over making an approach to a stranger. On the other hand, it can also be a lot of fun, particularly in a group of believers, to work out some strategies that get people's attention. 
We've had a fruitful time at the South End Air Show. This is a local community event close to where I live. And over a number of years, the show was drawing at least half a million people from all over the country for a really great day out. We sometimes have had a stand in one of the exhibit's tents, but our team like to get out among the people and use a survey approach to practice evangelism. Engaging a stranger in conversation by using such a method is really not as intimidating as you might think, especially when you have a good reason for people to want to talk talk to you. One of our strategies is to hand out free bottles of water or balloons to children. You know, there are always huge queues at the refreshment tents, so when we approach people, they're usually very happy to accept a free bottle of water or a balloon for their children in exchange for answering a few questions. The questions themselves are usually very general and straightforward. Simple things like, you know, um, what, well, first of all, ask, you know, can you help me, please? Just want to ask us some quick questions for the survey um, and I'll let you go on your way. So question number one, what's your first name? You know, is this your first time at the air show? Where have you travelled from to be here today? Are you enjoying the day? What do you think are the best things about the air show? Is there a way you think the air show could be improved? Is there something more the local community could do to improve the show? Is there something that local churches could do to improve the air show? Do you ever go to church yourself? Has anyone ever given you one of these free booklets? Well, there you are. That's for you. Thank you very much. Have a great day. You know, these are all very light and easy questions. And honestly, you can just edit them and change them just to suit you and your, your events. And generally, we find that people are very willing to offer their opinions. The object of the exercise is really twofold. Firstly, it hopefully means we can put a tract in a person's hands that they may read later on. And secondly, the key benefit of this approach is that it gets our members of our team into the habit of approaching and talking to people, especially in the area of evangelism. They don't necessarily have to speak the gospel themselves at this early entry level. So in that sense, it requires no special skill at all. Anybody can have a go, but it does ask them to go up to a stranger and offer them something. And that's that first hurdle that sometimes we've got to get over. If you're, you know, if you're, you know, and if you find that that's like maybe making you cringe a little bit to think about such an idea, then it's obviously not for you. So maybe you might want to try some of the other ideas that we're going to suggest to you today. But this is an approach that I found works best as, as a group activity, and especially for young people interested in street evangelism. You know, we've seen youth groups having a great time engaging with the crowd, you know, all in matching T-shirts or caps or what have you. You know, the beauty of something like this, you know, using the questionnaire method is that you don't feel pressurised to speak out the gospel message yourself. It's not one-to-one evangelism in that context, in that sense, you know. This idea simply allows you to hand out a tract at the end of your conversation. Another approach that we have used at events like the air show is where we're asking a different set of survey questions, which will now lead to an opportunity to verbalise the gospel. Now, this is getting a little bit more difficult, of course, this, this particular method. You know, our dialogue often goes something like this. Excuse me, can you help me? I work with mainstream churches and I'm conducting a short survey asking people 10 quick questions to measure how good they are as a person. Then I'd, I'd like to show you the best presentation you've ever seen from, um, about the Bible. But you've got to be honest. Can you help me? Well, we find that the majority of people we approach are willing to take a few moments to do the survey. And so it goes pretty much like this, you know, on a scale of zero to ten, where zero is never, five is sometimes and ten is always. How would you rate yourself on the following statements? I give to charities. The next question. I pray. I help strangers in need. 
I read the Bible. I forgive people when they hurt me. You know, of course, they're scoring themselves as they go, and you're writing down the answers. I love and help family members. I'm loyal with my friendships. I put other people first when they need me. I'm totally honest in the things I say and do. Normally, the, the liars normally score themselves with a 10 at that one. Um, but it doesn't matter what they say, just write down that number. And finally, maybe I, I see the best in people, these types of questions. You know, the person is then scored and, and rated. Now, you've got this, these, these sort of scoring uh, schedule here. You've got those scoring 68 to 70. They're normally angelic. 64 to 67 are saintly. 35 to 63 are people that are good. Um, 25 to 34 are people that are struggling. And under 25, well, those people probably need to seek help. Now, most people, the vast majority, come out as either good, saintly or angelic. You know, the scores, of course, are all a bit of fun. But, you know, then we go on using the tracts to say, you know, you're obviously a very good person. Now, let me tell you what the Bible says to about a, a person as good as you. And then this leads on into the gospel presentation, which you can then read out, similar to the one that I shared previously in this season. Uh, you know, and let me emphasize that this is simply one approach, and there are many other ways of engaging the attention of strangers, and many other gospel illustrations that can be used. There are countless opportunities that allow you to be bold and verbalize the full gospel with a stranger. For some, this might be a terrible, you know, intimidating thought. In which case, stick with the simple one using gospel tracts. That's still evangelism, isn't it? Spreading the gospel. On the other hand, it's my hope that with the right tools, more people might be encouraged to, to develop the skills to boldly speak out about the love of God and the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm not talking here about stopping a stranger in the street and bashing them uh, on on him or her, her, her with the Bible. No, many situations in life put people in our in our path with whom we can share the greatest story ever told. I love the opportunities offered by air travel. I'm sure everyone shares similar concerns as they board the plane. You know, who will I be sitting next to? Will I have enough elbow space? There are always those few moments of trepidation as you watch people filing by while you secretly you know plead that the seat next to you will be left vacant we've all been there haven't we well surely it's just good manners when you're going to be sitting next to someone in a very confined space for the next however many hours that you at least make pleasant conversation on the whole i find that people are happy to talk about themselves some are even hard to shut up when they find someone prepared to take an interest in them you know generally people like to be listened to it's it's a fact it only takes a few questions about their journey, where they're making it, their family, their job, their their pet, you know, and before you know, they're relaxed and happily engaging in conversation. You'll end up hearing about their grandson's friends, the hazards of keeping a pet hamster or whatever, and, and why it's so hard to grow carrots in their garden or whatever, you know, ask enough questions and unless they really do want to be left alone, they, they, they will ask something back. In my case, it's easy to steer the conversation simply because of the job I do and the reason why I'm traveling. I usually say something like, well, I'm an author and I speak in maximum security prisons around the world. And we're finding that the message I share is really changing so many people's lives. And it's having a massive effect on reoffending crime figures. And this usually gains their interest. And I might talk more about my life and what brought, brought me to the work I do now, incorporating the gospel message through the story of how I became a Christian. You know, learning to take those necessary pauses, allowing people to interject and ask a question and think and so on, reflect. You know, like many air travellers, I often 
have my laptop in front of me. So instead of using my own testimony, I sometimes refer to the message that I, I told them was having an effect on the crime figures. You know, I'll say something like, you know, I've got it on my computer right here. It's only a 10 minute presentation and I'm always looking at, you know, at ways to improve it. Would you, I wonder if you've got any, you know, free 10 minutes on this flight, would you like to see it? And maybe you could give me your opinion, your advice. And if they show interest, I take them through this interactive gossip presentation or a video version. I you know, plug in my headphones and I let them watch the whole thing. You know, I'd encourage anyone who uses a laptop or any similar handheld technology to get a good gospel message presentation on, on that, those gadgets. You know, people are often curious to see something new on a screen and it's an easy tool. Perhaps a less threatening way of presenting the message face to face, um, even though that's not a bad thing either. You know, you, you can download one, one of many presentations that we have on our websites, greatcommissionsociety.com. I've used this presentation with so many people on my mobile phone, using headphones with great success. You know, let me let me issue here another warning. Um, you know, I, I use such gospel presentations a great deal and find that they can be very effective. However, there, there are dangers in a packaged approach to the gospel. And here I have to remind you of our, our teaching on pathos, if you remember. Pathos. You know, let me reiterate, whenever we present the gospel, we must do so with care and sensitivity. And when possible, a sense of understanding of the position of our hearer. I believe we should all you know, learn some kind of gospel presentation, but this is much for our own use and our own understanding so that we can get the, the, the message clear in our own heads as a foundation. I think that's so important. And, uh, you know, and also for use for, as a public tool as well. I mean, think of it as stocking up your armory, your spiritual armory. When you're confident in the gospel message yourself, you'll be able to use it and adapt its telling according to circumstances and your, your conversation. When, when I get into a taxi and the driver engages me in a conversation about the terrible disaster of the you know, Haiti earthquake or the coronavirus or what have you, um, of course, we're, we're grounded at the minute, so that's not, not going to happen just yet. But I'm sure we're going to have loads of conversations about this the moment we're able to be able to go out again. But, you know, do I recite to the driver the text of the gospel message? No. And yet, as we weave our way through our dialogue, I can hopefully get to the point where I'm naturally sharing my hope and belief in the sovereignty, justice and love of my creator. And in this situation, you know, am I going to push my driver friend to the point of decision for Christ? You know, push, push, push. Well, no, probably not. But hopefully I will have offered something of the light of the gospel. And hopefully for him or her, there will be another time. Of course, I hope it will be as soon as possible. I really believe that God opens up opportunities for us all the time. And they, they usually spill out from our everyday encounters. When you listen constantly, you know, alert to this fact, you find that you're always looking to be one step ahead of a situation, always looking for a way to naturally get into a position where you can share the gospel. The key, as I'm sure I've always stressed, is to be real and genuine, be authentic, so that you might earn a listen, listening ear when it comes to presenting the all-important gospel message. When the Lord Jesus Christ meets the woman at the well, he opens the conversation in, in a natural way. He asks for water. Of course, it doesn't take long before the Lord starts talking about water of life. But his first approach is through friendly, polite, everyday conversation. Later, when Jesus, just after the resurrection, appears to the two travellers on the road to Emmaus, he opens up a conversation. 
You remember in Luke chapter 24, verse 16, it reports they were kept from recognising him. What are you discussing together as you walk along? Jesus asks that question. You know, the gospel tells of Cleopas's incredulity that this stranger did not appear to know. You know, are you the only one living in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened there in these days? Jesus still chooses not to reveal himself, but asks, what things? Of course he knows, but he's asking that question, what things? The account goes on with the two friends telling their new companion about the events that Jesus, of course, knew only too well firsthand. Why would Jesus do this? Might it be because he wants to meet them in a spiritual uh, place, in a in a spirit of openness? He wants to engage with them, hearing their concerns, listening to their interpretation of the events that are troubling them so much. As an apparent stranger, he wants to show interest in them, to meet them on their level and allow them the space to reveal something of themselves before making himself known to them at the right time in a way that is most meaningful. And it would be great if we can try to mirror that approach as well. What made the Apostle Paul such a great communicator of the gospel? Undoubtedly, it was his passion for it. Powerful passion, not born out of emotion, but fueled by the conviction that every man and woman faces an eternity either in heaven or hell. Well, what do we see when we are dropping our children off at school or, or when we're in our place of work or, or out doing our shopping? What do we see when we, when we look at people? Is it just their, their fashion sense, the car they drive, their financial status? Do we ever give a thought about what they face after death? You see, Paul did. In fact, he seemed to see this before and above anything else. Take, for example, his visit to Athens. Paul wasn't impressed by the greatness and the grandeur of the Greek society. Neither the towering Acropolis nor the magnificent Parthenon overwhelmed him as he made his way around the most civilised and educated cultural centre of all. No, what Paul saw was the individual Athenians, individual misguided and lost souls. Another key aspect of Paul is that he was constantly looking for a way to connect with people. You know, we read those words in Acts chapter 17. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. Now what you worship is something unknown, I'm going to proclaim to you. Notice how Paul engages the people on common ground. He talks to them about being very religious, introduces the issue of one specific idol they have, and then tells them that he knows that God. Paul then goes on with a clear presentation, explanation of the gospel. You know, we read on, don't we, in Acts chapter 17, verses 22 to 31 about this. This is Paul doing what he does best. So in the same way as Jesus communicated with the woman at the well, or the friends on the Emmaus road, Paul finds the hook as well. He takes something from his hearer so that he might give the message in meaningful context. I'm convinced that the Holy Spirit gives us these same kinds of openings and opportunities every single day. We just need to look for them and recognise them. Another point to draw out from this piece of scripture is the simplicity of the Apostle's presentation. He speaks around three simple points. First, God is the creator and owner of the universe. Secondly, God wants everyone to know him. And thirdly, all people, everyone must repent because the judgment day is coming. Paul 
didn't make the gospel more complicated than it is, and neither should we. Finally, we must also take comfort in this report of Paul's activity in Athens. The apostle must have recognised that everywhere he preached this message, he would be faced with ridicule and rejection. He was therefore realistic in his expectations. We're told in verse 32, some of them sneered. Did this discourage Paul? Did he give up? No way. He knew there were others who wanted to listen. And sure enough, we are told that a few men became followers and believed. In the same way, when we share the gospel with strangers, we put ourselves on the line and set ourselves up for rejection too. But we must never give up, for there will always be those who do want to hear. We hope you enjoyed the message. Please subscribe and leave a rating and review to help others find our podcast. At GCS, our mission is to communicate the gospel message relevantly to every person in the world. One way to do this is by providing practical resources to help you grow in your faith and present the Christian faith across different cultures. You can find out more about our resources at www.greatcommissionsociety.com If you would like to donate to our efforts, be sure to contact us or you can donate online. GCS is a listener-supported ministry and is chaired by a board of directors in Edinburgh, UK.